welcome back to In the Queue Film Conversations with Andrew and Phil. I am your co-host, Phil. And among the many pleasures of today's film, a chief one for me was the return of a great score by John Bryan. Oh, yeah. I really loved circa the early 2000s with Punch Drunk Love, Eternal Sunshine and the Spotless Mind. He 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 was kind of like the the musical accompaniment to this resurgence in intelligent indie films. Yeah, uh, which I think this film can be included in that group. Mm -hmm. Uh, I also would imagine, Phil, that you loved the soundtrack to this movie, too. It was a great soundtrack. Oh, yeah. Uh, Although maybe not. Most of those songs weren't really your style in the 90s, were they? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They were fine. They they, they suited their purpose. Yeah, They were fine. Yeah, Dave Matthews. Sure. 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 It had thematic significance. There's some Ani DeFranco in there. There was some uh Real Big Fish. Come on now, man. Oh yeah, it was it was good and, and yeah. It was I mean seeing this movie, we'll talk it we'll get into the experience of seeing this movie in just a minute. The movie is Ladybird. Well, well and it's let me introduce myself. Oh Phil. Well, please go ahead. <laughs> I'm Andrew. <laughs> Sorry, I thought we had done that. I'm your other co host and uh for me. One of the myriad joys of watching this film was uh, Laurie Metcalf. Always, always amazing. Ever since the Roseanne days, I've just thought she was a spectacular actress, and uh, yeah, she's so good in this. It's insane. Have you were you able to see any of her Broadway work? I yes, I actually saw her in November, which was a David Mamet play that was a satirical comedy about the George W. Bush years with Nathan Lane as kind of a bumbling idiot president. Mm. And uh, Laurie Metcalf played the chief of staff, I think. And was like, it was basically like a two person play. Yeah. Uh, It wasn't a great play, but it was super fun to see the two of them for sure. She's been, she's been racking up like Tony nominations, if not awards. She's one of the best stage actresses in America right now. And that kind of blew my mind before I saw this film because I hadn't really seen her in a major role since Roseanne. <laughs> sure. It's because um, she's been doing yeah. so much stage work. I mean, she's well known on the, on the Broadway stage. She is part of a fantastic ensemble cast, uh, under the direction of Greta Gerwig who wrote and directed this film. It's her debut film. The film is Lady Bird. Uh, before we get into the discussion, though, I want to tell you guys out there where you can find us on the web. You can go to our blog, which is found at www.in-the-q, that's the letter q.com. We have a Facebook page, too. It's just search Facebook for in the Q. Q-U-E-U-E is how you spell Q. And on both those websites, you can find all of our episodes. You can go to our Facebook page to communicate with us. If you would like to review a film and be on the show for an episode, we'd be happy mm-hmm. to have you on. For sure. Uh, we have an, a Twitter account as well. We are at ITQ Podcasts. And lastly, you can find us on iTunes or Podcast and Overcast apps or other podcast aggregates out there. So, once again, today's film is The Spectacular Ladybird. I hate California. I want to go to the East Coast. I want to go where culture is, like How New York, world I race or at least snow. Connecticut or New Hampshire, where writers live in the world. Get into those schools anyway. Mom! You should just go to City College. You know, with your work ethic, just go to City College and then to jail, and then back to City College, and then maybe you'd learn to pull yourself up and not expect everybody to do everything. <laughs> 
Ladybird, is that your given name? Yeah. Why is it in quotes? I gave it to myself. It's given to me by me. Ladybird always says that she lives on the wrong side of the tracks, but I always thought that that was like a metaphor. But there are actual train tracks. What she did was very baller. It was very anarchist. Put the magazine back! <laughs> She has a big heart, your mom. She's warm, but she's also kind of scary. You can't be scary and warm. I think you can, your mom is. So, you're not interested in any Catholic colleges? No way. I want schools like Yale, but not Yale because I probably couldn't get in. <laughs> you definitely couldn't get in. Does mom hate me? If you're tired, we can sit down. I'm not tired. You're dragging your feet. You are so infuriated. stop yelling? I'm not yelling. Oh, it's perfect. Do you love it? You both have such strong personalities. When is a normal time to have sex? You're having sex? I'm ready. Just wanted it to be special. Why? You're gonna have so much unspecial sex in your life. We're afraid that we will never escape our past. Whatever we give you, it's never enough. It's never enough. It is enough. We're afraid of what the future will bring. We're afraid we won't be loved. You can't do anything unless you're the center of attention. We won't be liked. Yeah, well, you know your mom's tits, they're totally fake. She made one bad decision at 19. Two bad decisions. And we won't succeed. I want you to be the very best version of yourself that you can be. What if this is the best version? What I'd really like is to be on Math Olympiad. But math isn't something you're terribly strong in. That we know of yet. It was a trailer that piqued my interest, for sure. Oh, yeah. And the great conglomeration of talent involved, of course, all under the distribution of A24, <laughs> made me want to check it out. Yeah, it, listeners of the show know how we feel about A24. Yeah, and I know we're not alone, because A24 is the shit! <laughs> uh I had a really unique experience surrounding the watching of this film Ooh, that I would tell. like to share. Do tell. I'll tell you all about the, the premise in just a minute. But okay, well, so it's it's about a young woman who lives in Sacramento, California, and I saw this movie in Sacramento, California, and this movie is full of basically insider knowledge about that town. It's there's so much like uh, location photography. There's so much, so many references in the dialogue to living in Sacramento. Sure. That and, and the film opens with this quote by Joan Didion saying that you know like something like uh, anybody who thinks uh, you know California in December is a charmed existence has never lived through a Christmas in Sacramento. <laughs> yeah. And as yeah. soon as that title came up, the whole theater, which was jam packed started laughing. But the, the really amazing thing about this is that I saw it at the tower theater on Broadway and it was so busy. All the screenings were sold out when we went and on the marquee, it says Sacramento premiere Ladybird. Oh. And at one point in the film, there's a shot 
of the Tower Theater. Yeah. And we were in the Tower Theater watching this movie. Yeah. And everybody kind of like gasped in recognition at this. Like, oh, look, there we are. That's us. <laughs> That's our theater. Um, but but aside from being a an accurate depiction of, of what that town is like, this movie is great. This is a great film. It's all around superb. Uh, I Greta Gerwig has said that she wants to make a quartet of movies set in Sacramento. Oh, and that's going to be that would be phenomenal. Um, that's very ambitious too. It is. But even if she doesn't make another one, she's got a great film on her hands here. Uh, it's partly autobiographical, from what I've read. Uh, Sorsha Ronan plays a, a young woman named Christine McPherson who is graduating from her Catholic high school and has to decide where she wants to go to college, what kind of direction is her life going to take. She wants to go to school, as you heard in the trailer, on the East Coast where she believes there is more culture. Um, there's a lot of kind of good-natured ribbing at Sacramento Indeed. and how it's not really a culture-rich area. <laughs> uh, but she's kind of bumping up against her mother, and she's basically just going through a lot of growing pains and kind of figuring out who she is. Um, but it's all so lovingly written and beautifully acted by this one wonderful ensemble cast. Uh, Sorsha Ronan is she's become a giant of of acting. I feel Ooh. she she's 23 years old. She's already been Oscar nominated, I think twice. Twice and. Yeah. Once for Brooklyn, thought, once for Atonement? Yeah. I thought she was fantastic and very kind of nuanced and mature in Brooklyn. But in this movie, she is so phenomenal in this role. Yeah. I mean, she completely deserves to win the Oscar. I don't know who her competition is right now off the top of my head, but I would totally give it to her. Wow. Uh, and Laurie Metcalf also does astounding work as her mom. Uh not many movies really bring me to tears these days, but there's a scene with Laurie Metcalf near the end that oh, yeah. like really kind of earned uh, that distinction as being like a, a truly moving moment that kind of cuts through cuts through the noise, cuts through all the distractions, and really kind of reminds you about how moving acting can be. Uh, Andrew, so. Please tell me tell me your impressions of Lady Bird. I really like this film a lot. I really thought that it was pretty magnificent. Um, it's always a little terrifying and dicey when an actor dips their you know hand into the world of directing films. More often than not, it turns out poorly. Yeah. Uh, there, there's just a, a, a an endless list of terrible movies directed by erstwhile actors. Mm. And I was really worried that that was going to happen here, especially since Greta Gerwig, in my experience, has kind of been a one-note song as an actor. Mm -hmm. uh, she's inhabited a very niche space. She's kind of been the indie darling for you know going on a decade now. Mm -hmm. And um, I just thought, well, okay, you know, we're just going to get uh, like some kind of twee indie, you know, pablum. Mm -hmm. And that is not at all what we got. <laughs> Instead, what we got was like what I thought was an incredibly heartfelt and incredibly emotionally 
complex uh, portrait of teenage life and yeah. all of the decisions and the changes and the crazy things that happen at that point in your existence. Uh, also a wonderful portrait of this uh, character's relationship with her family, specifically with her mother, kind of emotionally abusive relationship that is kind of also made her who she is and forced her into a lot of the decisions that she's made. Mm-hmm. I thought that the portrait of the loves and the friends and all of that that she has, you know, uh, including Lucas Hedges as a love interest, including Beanie Feldstein, which is Jonah Hill's younger sister. Right. Uh, and who I thought was fantastic in this movie. <laughs> just mm-hmm. wonderful. Um, like just everything felt so honest and so real in this movie. And I, and it I, I was sort of conscious of this halfway through the movie that Greta Gerwig as a director is very capable with actors. Um, mm-hmm. But not just that, she kind of does this wonderful thing with this movie where you never linger in a sing, uh, a particular scene for a very long period of time. There's nothing that kind of lasts for a really long period. So what you end up with is this kind of tapestry of experiences these brief experiences that in their aggregate create a whole picture of this character's life and and this character's world and of course this Mm -hmm. all takes place in 2002 so you know it was a very uh 2002 to 2003 i guess so it's a very nostalgic in a way uh for someone who you know was just finishing college at that particular moment in time so not too far off the uh, ages of these characters. It was before the dominance of cell phones and social media mm-hmm. and all of these kinds of things. Um, so it, it's it, it's kind of a weird, it inhabits a weird space in nostalgia at this particular moment because it, it was right on the cusp of all those things becoming ubiquitous. Sure. But they hadn't quite happened yet. So it was still this uh, almost <laughs> more innocent time uh, and and uh, anyway, the 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 greater picture is that I think that the performances in this movie are fantastic to an actor. Like I think every every performance is fantastic. I think the writing is really excellent. Um, I think Laurie Metcalf. If, if there's anybody who's a lock for an Academy Award, you may think it's Saoirse Ronan. I think it's Laurie Metcalf. I honestly, I think she's so good in this, and she's. I don't think she's ever won anything. Uh, I, I don't need to know if she's been nominated for an Oscar. So no, uh, not for an Oscar. Um, but I Emmys. I'm not she's won Emmys. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's kind of it's kind of freaking incredible too that she's got Garrick has kind of presided over this amazing ensemble cast, and everybody is to a T is amazing, um, and everybody seems to kind of be real too. Uh, like yeah. a real thing. One of my favorite moments of the film, uh, maybe seem kind of unlikely, but it's it's a moment when Lady Bird has decided that she's going to go to the prom mm-hmm. with these like with the cool kids, you know, these people <laughs> who she's trying to kind of get into the in crowd. Yeah, and uh, she's kind of kind of turned her back on her uncool but truer real friends yeah, yeah. Uh, in favor of wanting to kind of experiment and be accepted with these other people. 
And uh, maybe the reason why I like this moment so much is because I feel like it's happened to me before. But <laughs> she gets picked up to go to the prom by her pseudo boyfriend, Kyle. Yeah. yeah. Who I thought was played pretty well by Timothy Chalamet. Yep. Um, and she gets in the car. She's all dressed up. She's excited. She hops in. And she says, oh, well, I guess I'll ride shotgun. And she sees that the the kind of the popular mean girl is in the back seat with her boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And she gets in and she's so kind of uh, fresh and 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 hopeful and excited. And as soon as she gets in, like, you just feel this crushing vibe from the other three people in the car that they just don't give a fuck. And they're probably high. And they're just blase and yeah. cynical. And yeah. as they're driving away, Kyle says, hey, you guys just want to ditch prom and go over to Mike's? Yeah, yeah tight. Let's do that. <laughs> and you're like, oh, man, like this is like this is so not what Lady Bird wants to do. You know, like this is this has got to be like the well, yeah, last she's been prepping. She's been prepping for this. Yeah. Going and, to the prom, you know, and then and then she just kind of. She does the right thing. She's she, her character is so strong-willed and so true to herself that she's not going to suffer through this, and she's not going to put up with going to Mike's. She says, she, at first I think she says, "Yeah, that's fine," but then she thinks about it and then says, "Could you guys drop me off at my friend's house?" And then and they say, "Yeah," and you know because they're not like they're not malicious. They just yeah. don't care. They're indifferent. Yeah. So they'll they'll, they'll take her to her friend's house. Sure. And then she has this wonderful experience with her, you know, her friend. Um, but you you were talking about how there's like a tapestry at work here with this movie. Yeah. And I really am so impressed with the writing of this film, too, mm. because the writing, it just moves at such a clip. Yeah. And it's so fast paced and moves from scene to scene. And while it's pretty much almost entirely dialogue based it is never talky or, or boring or yeah. overly verbose. Yeah, agreed. Um, and I think that whenever you have a really great film, you, you really have to look at the writing as a major reason why it works so well. And you've got a great cast. You've got a very competent direction. Uh, but this script, I think, is dynamite. And it's definitely going to get nominated for an Oscar, if not win. Well, at the present moment, or at least the last time, right before I went to see the film, I saw it last night, right before I went to see the film, it was sitting at 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. It has been critically lauded, and going into the awards season, which we're kind of, you know, in in the, we're starting to get into the thick of at the moment, um, Mm -hmm. I think that this is very much looking like a strong contender for a number of awards. Um, including writing, including f- several performance awards, likely mm-hmm. direction and poss- possibly picture. Um, pro- probably more likely picture than direction, but I do think that Greta Gerwig, this is a magnificent debut. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really looking for, forward to seeing more from her because this was so assured. You know, it was so, it's such a confident film, uh, which is always great to see from a, a first time director. Mm hmm. Um, but yeah, I, <laughs> it's a good movie, man. 
All it's really good, and it's it's the kind of movie that appeals to both connoisseurs and general audiences, I think. Oh, yeah, no question about it. No question about it. I think that it is... Uh, it's certainly being marketed as kind of an indie film, and it's being... You know, if, like me, you think you hear the word, the name Greta Gerwig, and you think, you know, insufferable indie flicks, (laughs) uh, you're right to think that. But in this case, it is not that at all. This actually feels to me a lot more like the indie flicks of old, you know, like uh, when... when (laughs) This is going to sound weird, but when indie film was an exciting thing, right? In the yeah, 90s, well, maybe when, that's why they brought John Bryan to score it. <laughs> yeah, well, like the like the 90s, especially the mid to late 90s through into the early 2000s was like a very exciting time for independent film because there were so many interesting things happening and so many good films coming out, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, and ones that took chances and, and weren't and were very personal, you know. I feel like that's maybe that's a big part of this is that. Even independent films these days, I find, don't feel particularly personal. Uh, I feel like a a lot of times they're sort of rote exercises in craftsmanship and not imbued with any kind of, you know, authenticity or personal feeling. And this film just oozes that. It's just, there's so, there's an abundance of you know, I, I, you, you say, Phil, that this was partially based on Greta Gerwig's life. At the end of this movie, I was convinced that this had to be a direct transcription of everything that happened to her <laughs> because yeah. it felt so personal. I, you, you touched on something that I'm really passionate about, and I feel like, I feel like what's going to save movies from cinematic universe hell <laughs> is if more filmmakers do bring their own personal philosophy and life experience to their work yeah and it doesn't have to be a direct adaptation of their own life story sure uh there's there's a way to do it i think you just have to care enough uh you just have to think that your experience is valuable and that people would want to know about it uh which is not to say that i'm gonna write a film about two guys who start a podcast but (laughs) I can, I can, it's kind of a no brainer to me. I can use what I've learned about people from this podcast in a film. This is a, this is totally hypothetical film, by the way. But, uh, but I'm just saying, I think that, I think that's what's going to save movies. If people start to kind of infuse their writing with their own experience and what they've learned in life, uh, because trying to kind of score the next IP or the next, uh, horror pick or genre pick i think that first off it would be easier and more fun if you kind of added your own kind of experience into the mix but that's what people care about that's kind of proven to be your best material is your most personal because it comes from a real place sure so i think that yeah um i don't know how specifically autobiographical this is the only thing that i would guess is definitely a fabrication would be the that uh character of the the football coach who becomes the oh my god the drama teacher i mean yeah that was that was like the one moment of total absurdity in the film yeah i mean it was it was an absurd idea although it could be born of a kernel of truth i'm sure sure uh but it was 
I mean, it was it was the only moment where something was not only an over the top idea, but it was also played over the top, and it yeah. was really funny. And actually, the payoff for it is really great because there's a moment later in the film that where you see the coach again that had me laughing hysterically. And in fact, Phil, you described your experience of seeing this film. Mine was almost the complete opposite. Oh, it was not a full theater. There were maybe twenty twenty or thirty people in the theater. And I was there and I was there with my partner and we were watching it and nobody was laughing and we were cracking up. This Uh is a very funny movie. I mean, there's a lot, you know, it's very poignant as well. And there are moments of serious drama and some very sad moments. You know, it, it runs the gamut as any good character study like this should. But... Uh, it's also extremely funny very frequently and we were laughing hysterically and the rest of the theater was dead silent and I could not figure out what was going on. It was a very strange experience. Yeah, that's weird. And it, it's always easier to laugh when there's a bigger crowd. Sure. 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 Uh, But but this is the fact that you were laughing despite there not being a large crowd kind of points to the fact that their writing is, is so sharp and witty and intelligent. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, of course, with the audience that I was with, there was a much different reason well, that people were turning up to see the film. Sure. Uh, but it was, you could just kind of tell that it had won people over by the end. It was just, yeah. it was just feel good, but not in a stupid or pedantic way. It was feel good in, in a, a real lived in kind of believable way. Yeah. I feel like it, um, it shared sort of this joie de vivre with you, you know? Mm-hmm. And despite the fact that some of these characters, including Lady Bird herself, are a bit insufferable. I mean, they're 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 obnoxious teenagers, you know, yeah. or stunted adults who have serious problems. They they're, you know, it, it's still it's one of those magical things about drama that you can open a window into their soul and allow you to empathize with these people that you might in normal circumstances be like, I do not want to be anywhere around that person. It opens up their life and lets you live in their body for a little bit. Yeah. And uh, for me, that was, it was just, it was great. It was on display. It was wonderful. It was, it was great. Yeah. I, I really loved this film. I thought it was definitely one of the best movies of the year. Or last year. <laughs> um, and I really cannot recommend it at all, I'm afraid. No, I, enough. <laughs> I can't. Uh, that was a joke. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that it's it's definitely deserves the accolades that it's been getting. Um, and I'm like, I, just to kind of summarize the, my overall feeling, I think that it's 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 made by somebody who who believes in film, it believes yeah. in sharing human stories, sharing uh, emotions and empathy. Uh, the filmmakers believe that that still has power, that still has meaning, that uh, we can actually care about characters, even if they're not glamorous or young or wearing a flashy superhero outfit. Yep. Yeah. And, and this is, uh, you know, 
uh, let Greta Gerwig point the way to to those wayward films that have found themselves without a soul or without a, a heart. I think that the this is the kind of movie that is really exciting, despite being you know a coming of age tale about a young woman. This is an exciting film, and it's fun to watch, and it's fun to live in this space with these characters, um, and to, you know to have really sharp writing and magnificent performances on top of that is just kind of the icing on the cake. Uh, it's just it's just a really excellent film um, all around. I recommend getting out and seeing it as soon as possible. Uh, mm. Support movies like this, uh, you know, these are uh, great movies written and directed uh, by a woman from a female perspective and just a great movie all around. That's not to say that it's limited. It has a limited audience. This is just a great, enjoyable film and I highly mm-hmm. recommend it. Yeah. Well, yeah, totally, totally in agreement here. Uh, that's our show. I'll end it there uh, yeah. on Ladybird. Yes. Uh, fantastic film. We encourage you to see it. Uh, stay tuned for our next episode. It's going to be another listener's choice. We're going to talk about the recent film Desierto, which is uh, written and directed by Jonas. Jonas, did I say that right? Jonas, 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 Jonas Cuaron, who is the offspring of Alfonso Cuaron. Uh, we're going to have Eric back on the show to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So stick around and we'll catch you then. See you then.